0: Grammar Girl here. A listener named Alex asked, quote, What's the history of the contraction in English usage? I just heard an interview with the Cohen brothers about the movie True Grit. They pointed out that they were at pains to avoid the use of contractions for an authentic 1860s Western American setting, unquote. The Cohen brothers did say something like this. In a Newsweek interview, they were asked quote, did people actually not talk without contractions at that time? Unquote. And they answered quote, we've been told that the language and all that formality is faithful to how people talked in the period, unquote. Unfortunately, the Cohen brothers were misinformed. Mark Liberman of the linguistics blog Language Log found that the original True Grit novel by Charles Portis contained both contracted and uncontracted forms. For comparison, however, Liberman looked at two other novels, including Tom Sawyer, published in 1876, and found that those novels were more likely to include contractions than True Grit. So there really is some contraction avoidance in the novel True Grit. Maybe Portis wrote that way for purposes of characterization, Liberman suggests. He also quoted a paper in the Journal of English Linguistics on the history of contractions with the word not. It said that they first appeared in writing at the beginning of the 17th century, increased during the 18th, and were more or less accepted by the 19th century. In fact, there were even contractions before the 1600s, but at that time they usually weren't indicated with an apostrophe, because the apostrophe was still a recent invention. Going back more than a thousand years, Old English had a class of contracted verbs. For example, the verb seon, which meant to see, was a contraction of the earlier seohan. So contractions are not a recent development in English. Even so, Alex's question is a good excuse to talk about how to use contractions. Here's a quick review of what we said about contractions in other episodes. You can find links to the full episodes on the website. In episode 201, we covered that most contentious of contractions ain't. Our advice was, quote, "...in business, scholarly, and other formal writings, omit ain't, unless it's used in a direct quotation, and never go around saying it in general conversation, unless it's part of a joke or a well-known saying. In dialogue or to convey a vernacular tone in prose, use it with discretion. Treat it like spicy mustard. Don't make a whole sandwich from it." Unquote. But why did ain't, a potentially useful contraction that fills the gap where we could use a contraction of am not, come to be so disrespected? In the book Origins of the Specious, Patricia O'Connor and Stuart Kellerman wrote that ain't was first used in place of both am not and are not, and then for is not, and later even for has not and have not. As O'Connor and Kellerman write, quote, Ain't claimed to have so many parents that it seemed illegitimate." In episode 168, we talked about respectable contractions that should nonetheless be used with care. Some are ambiguous. For example, when you read the dog's, D-O-G apostrophe S, it might be a possessive, as in the dog's tail. It might be a contraction of the dog is, or it might be a contraction of the dog has. Usually, the rest of the sentence will make it clear what you mean, but not always, so it's worth keeping the ambiguity in mind. For example, the sentence, I'd never run that fast, could mean I had never run that fast, or I would never run that fast. Maybe the context would make it clear, but why not make it easier on the reader by writing out I had or I would. Episode 168 also covered contractions with have, such as would've, could've, and should've. Whether you write these as contractions or as two words, they still sound pretty much the same in everyday speech, so the contractions don't save any syllables. For that reason, our advice is to avoid them. All the more so for awkward double contractions such as id have and id have. By the way, for those listening instead of reading the transcript, that last mess of syllables was a contraction for it will have. But you don't have to avoid contractions in all your writing. Many style guides even recommend using contractions. The Chicago Manual of Style says, quote, Most types of writing benefit from the use of contractions. If used thoughtfully, contractions in prose sound natural and relaxed and make reading more enjoyable, end quote. Brian Garner's Modern American Usage advises, quote, The common fear is that using contractions will make your writing seem breezy. For most of us, though, that risk is nil. What you gain should be a relaxed sincerity, not breeziness, unquote. And the federal government's plain language website agrees with Garner and adds, quote, Write as you talk is a common rule of writing readability, and the best tool to do that is to use contractions. People are accustomed to hearing contractions in spoken English, and using them in writing helps readers relate to your document." So in short, use contractions in formal writing if it'll sound stranger to avoid them than to use them. If that advice sounds familiar, you might be remembering our episode on vulgar language where we gave the same advice. Of course, you don't run the risk of offending your readers with contractions the way you would with swear words. But still, if you use any and all contractions just because you're allowed to, you risk sounding awkward and distracting your reader instead of making your writing easier to read, which was the whole point of using contractions in the first place. This podcast was written by Neil Whitman, who has a PhD in linguistics and blogs at literalminded.wordpress.com. And I'm Mignon Fogarty, author of Grammar Girl's Quick and Dirty Tips for Better Writing. That's all. Thanks for listening. Start clean with Clorox, because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... I got a charcoal mask. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? (coughs) Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. (laughs) No, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential.